Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Before we kick off this week's episode, just a quick reminder that we have a Discord community that you can join by becoming a supporter of the show via Patreon. To find out more, visit the website, translatingadhd.com, click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner, and for five bucks a month, you're in. So building on last week's episode around ADHD and identity and examining where you are personally on your journey with your ADHD identity is this second piece of ADHD and advocacy. So where we are on our own journey is one thing, but who do we bring along? How do we bring them along? And when do we bring them along is a whole separate ball of wax that can introduce some interesting challenges for ourselves and for our clients. Now, Cam and I are really fortunate that we live and work in ADD land. So we don't necessarily face these challenges, but we see them in our clients all of the time. And we thought that it was really worth addressing this piece. How do you advocate for yourself? How do you decide when to advocate for yourself? And what do you do? So Cam's got a lot of thoughts on this topic. So I'm just going to turn it right over to him and let him go. Oh my God. So many that on Monday, when we tried to do this the first time, all that like spilled out of my head and that like, you know, well, it was all over the floor. So then I couldn't pick it up and we had to do this do-over. So yeah, Cam went a little started. high associative here, but that's okay. Sometimes <laughs> our best episodes come from our redos. So yeah. I don't know. I just I, put the pressure on, but it sounds like, it sounds like you're up to the challenge, Cam. This is this, uh, the translate part. In our process of understand, own, and translate, this translating piece is really it's not just about like articulating for yourself, but it's this articulating to others so you can access a resource. And so I, this is a, a natural place that, and again, coming off of ADHD and identity, and that can be kind of a struggle. It can be a, a work in progress. It's like what we said last week was, as you learn you know, and live with your ADHD, your relationship with your ADHD will change that will happen. Along with that is that then it's the, well, how do I share this with others? So I really appreciate how you put it, Shelly. It's the kind of the what and how to share this as we're moving along. How do I share this so I can advocate for myself? And as I was thinking about this, we talked about this, there's a, an interesting thing happens is that your own ADHD can get in the way here. And that's what we're going to talk about today is actually how the ADHD gets in the way of self-advocacy and what you, listener, can do about it. So are you ready to go, Shelly? Absolutely. Let's go. Okay. We've talked about sort of these rules that we can have that are not necessarily working for us. And the rule here is the, it's the waiting for the right time. This is the rule that those of us with ADHD are kind of like, it, it could be a little bit of perfection, but it really is this sort of this nirvana moment where we think there is a right time and a place to share, and I'm going to share it then. Well, guess what? If you sort of bring in the, you know, uh, well, I can, I can do whatever I have on my list I can do tomorrow. Guess what? I can do that tomorrow. And we push it off. And then as we push it off, it becomes a detriment. It becomes a, a real obstacle. 
and gets in the way of actually accessing those around us who would really like to support us, but because we're not able to ask for what we need and articulate our ADHD experience, we can't really utilize those resources. And I think that's the premise. This is going back to day one in our conversations about this podcast is how can we help people understand and own, and then they can articulate their experience to those around them so they can start to have some kind of complementary or reciprocal relationship and get the support that they need. I think this is a really important point, Cam. And so, listener, the point that Cam is making, and I want to make sure we don't step over this and we really emphasize this, is you have to know something more about your ADHD before you can get to this step. You have to know what it is you need or what it is that you might need, what is supportive for you, what works or what has worked. This is beyond the lunch counter stuff here. This is getting deeper than those level one symptoms of I procrastinate into this is why I'm procrastinating on this particular task or this particular set of tasks. And I know what has worked for me before or what types of support can help me here. So you may not be ready for this step yet if you have not done that work. And that is okay. But that is what makes it so frustrating for us and those around us when we are surrounded by people who want to help and we can't articulate what we need. Yeah. So the rule here is, I was giving this some thought and it's sort of like, again, this is above the lunch counter in the sense of, I've got to have it all figured out before I present it. It's kind of the, the big reveal. And we're looking for kind of, again, that right time. But it's sort of like in this kind of completeness. It's a sequencing thing. It's a completeness thing. I must know this in all completeness is kind of the thinking there. I got to have a complete picture before I go ahead and share. In a sense, with back to ADHD and identity is I got to figure this ADHD out and my relationship to it before I can proceed. And we said, well, your relationship with your ADD is always going to be changing. See how that's an impossibility. This will never happen. You will never get to completeness because the picture is always evolving and changing. It's kind of like trying to pin this thing down and share. And so what we do is in our process of understand, own, translate, is we kind of keep going around the circle of understanding, owning, understanding, owning, understanding, owning, and never getting to that T part. So part of it is that I've got to have a whole picture. Part of it is the vulnerability. There's a reveal there. There's a reveal. There's a vulnerability. There's a, you know, sharing what's going on. And it's not easy. It's not easy to share, like, this is what I have, and this is what's difficult for me. And so all kinds of things are happening there, and we're going to talk about that as we go and, and lay out this process, okay? So here's the truth that I've seen, or the, the reality that I've seen in my work with my clients, and this can be in a personal relationship, it can be in a work relationship is that when you're finally kind of ready to share, it is often too late. As we're waiting for that perfect time to share, to reveal, to ask for help, it might be that your spouse is ready to move on. It might be that your colleagues at work are so fed up 
with you not coming through that when they give you that performance improvement plan, it's pretty much just an excuse to start that whole process of a work separation. Absolutely, Cam. And I want to point out that when people come to readiness at this place, this is a very much a back against the wall situation. These are the clients that come through our doors and say, my back is against the wall. I'm about to lose my job. I'm about to lose my marriage. I'm about to lose my business. And that is the reason they are taking action. Not because they feel any more ready, but because they now have such a sense of urgency that that has overridden that compulsion to wait for the right time. Right. And what do we do? We do really well in a tight spot. Here's the tight spot. But when you're given an ultimatum, we would argue that you have limited choices and that it may be too late because that behavior over a period of time without understanding the ADHD in all parties can take a toll. And here's the thing is that what, what happens is people, they make up their mind. And when they make up their mind, it's really hard to change that mind. And I'm going to get into that in a second, but I want to use an example. Is that okay? Sure. I'm just sort of, I'm thinking way back to this guy who came in with this performance improvement plan. His back was against the wall. He's about to lose his job. And, and guess what? He had really no idea why. Even though he had the performance improvement plan, he didn't understand the gravity of the situation. Oh, and by the way, this is classic cause and effect. Here he is below the lunch counter in manifestation and not being able to connect this cause and effect in the sense of this behavior is making this reaction occur, this event unfold this way. So here's this guy who's a lead principal, right? A, a, a lead investigator in a consulting firm in like a double position. I think he was an MD and a PhD and a lead. I mean, he was up there. He was had, had people reporting to him. And as we looked at his 360 that he shared with me, he was completely shocked at the notes and comments from his colleagues that he thought he had a great relationship with. And as he read them, the vitriol, the anger, the frustration was consistent in all of these comments. And he just was like, just blown away. Like, you know, I thought I had a good relationship with these individuals. And as we dug in, to kind of like, okay, here's his picture that things are not so bad. It's not so bad. Hey, easy does it versus, you know what, dude, we just had enough with you. So much so that we'd love to see you be gone. And so here's the thing that was happening, you know, as we kind of dug in and looked at this stuff and understood how his ADHD was showing up because that's another piece is that that ownership piece. What he was doing was because he was so overwhelmed and overcommitted wearing so many hats, he got overwhelmed. He had a prefrontal cortex shut down and here he was all day long basically playing a shell game. He was playing a shell game in the sense of just moving things. And sort of someone say, "Hey, you got this?" He was like, "Yeah, I'll get right back to you." and then not get back to them. So I call it evade, avoid, duck, cover. And all his energy is going into, 
not leading teams, not engaging in his projects, but just moving these shells as a little bit of a hide and seek. And it was just a matter of survival for him. He didn't realize the impact this was having. He was just trying to juggle and spin those plates, keep them up and going. But all of his energy was going into this avoidance and evading and, you know, ooh, here comes John down the hall. I'm going to duck into this closet here, <laughs> literally. You know, like, and they're like, where's Bob? Where, has anyone seen Bob? And the thing is, is that part of his coping mechanism was he would get through, and again, this sort of optimism of, you know what? It wasn't so bad. It wasn't terrible. And tomorrow I get to do a do-over. Clean slate. I get up. And I get to start over again, clean slate. It'll be better. We tell ourselves that to protect ourselves from that pain. Absolutely, Cam. And something I want to notice about this client scenario and really the work before us anytime a client comes to us in this place of backed against the wall is oftentimes the work of doing a reality check getting really clear on what the reality of the situation is. Because as you were recounting this, I was realizing that most of my clients who come to me with their backs against the wall in this way don't have a real objective idea of what the situation is. And so that is the work that we do with this type of client and coaching is we need to do a reality check and get really clear on what is and isn't possible here based on the reality of the situation. Right, because I'm not a miracle worker, and if it's urgent, I'm not going to take the job. I'm not going to dig you out of your hole that you've dug yourself, and I need six months at least. Because what we're doing in coaching is we're de developing motivators other than urgency to be more proactive, to be more strategic to take actions in those areas that are important and not urgent. This is all urgency. And so what we would say, listener, is start your own reality check and take action, seek support before you get to this tight spot of your back against the wall. So go ahead, Shelly. Sorry. Well, I think that that brings us to clients who have a different experience than the one we've just described. Mm -hmm. So the ones that do access the resource of coaching or you listener who might be accessing the resource of this podcast in a time and place where you have the time to do this work, to develop your understanding, to get to a place where you can self-advocate. So Cam, let's look at that side because I don't want people to think that all or even most of our clients are the first type. We do have those people. I've done really good work with those people, the people who are willing to take the long view and aren't looking for a Band-Aid fix and are able to step into the coaching space and do coaching work with me. I've done great work with clients who come from that place. But if you can access the support sooner and do the work before your back is against the wall, you can have an even better experience. So Cam, why don't you say more about that type of client? I will, but I'm not done with this guy. I'm not done with Bob. You're not done with Bob. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in with Bob and, and we're going to stay with Bob a little bit because we've got to feel that pain. 
the sort of that reality check is recognizing what's the actual pain that's happening here to get in touch with that. And then we'll go to that other place. And I appreciate you bringing that up. As I said earlier, here he is coping and trying to get through the day. Just get out the door and then it's like a fresh start. And here's the thing is that people will fill in the blank. When someone sees someone who is smart and capable, a smart and capable person not being smart and capable, they're kind of a big question mark occurs. Typically, people with ADHD are creative, they're resourceful, and they're capable and smart, but it's often very inconsistent. So it's sort of this comparison thing of like, you know, last week or last month, you did this like you destroyed this project, like crushed it, dude. You were on fire. You closed the deal. And here you are like, I can't locate you. Where are you? And it's that dissonance that just makes no sense. So what do people do? They fill in the blank. They fill in the blank. And it's, it's not that you're not returning calls. You know, you're not delivering the goods. It's not so much about that. It's this bigger connection of, oh, they must not care. They must not, they're not committed to the cause. They're not committed to this relationship. And then it becomes, it's not about not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's really about trust and respect. It's these bigger core value pictures. And when you start to violate that, it's really hard to get back from that. Absolutely, Cam. And I'm glad you didn't let me step over that point because even though we know that the causes that others perceive aren't necessarily what's actually going on, they don't know that. And there absolutely comes a point in any relationship where it is too far gone to bring them to a place where they can know that or can understand. Well said. So, The thing, again, another thing that happens is it's sort of like, we've talked about the Lone Ranger. It's like, I made this mess. I need to dig my way out of this mess. And so it's this sort of notion of this this false value or or elevating self-reliance. And when we go ahead and trust, there are people around us who really do want to see us succeed that to take some of that awareness that you're developing and try, that understanding that ownership and then finding a friend to help with that translating. And often what I do with my clients, again, it's often in, we go for the safe place. That they're having, one of the places is often a little bit more challenging than the other, personal or professional. If it's professionally, it's really challenging. I'm like, how's the home front? And if there is an advocate and a supporter at home, we go there first because that's a safe place to practice this whole translating thing of articulating your experience of what is really going on. You know, I'm so overwhelmed. I have all these things to do and I can't prioritize enough to even communicate where we are with this. And from that, when we start to articulate to others, then we start to fill in those blanks when they're making these assumptions of here's this smart, capable person not being smart and capable. 
No one's thinking ADHD. Nobody's thinking ADHD. No one's thinking about that cognitive layer. With our brains, we just go right to this, okay, they're in or they're out. They're with me, they're against me, right? It's very binary in that way. But when we start to kind of like, this is my true experience and I don't understand it, again, don't fall for that. I have to understand it fully to share. What you want to do is share the dilemma. Start with the dilemma. And I want to go through this little thing. So back to what you can do with somebody around translating. Is that okay that we do that? Sure. But before you do, I want to point out another perk of translating or attempting to translate and one that I've noticed for myself time and time again. Speaking to a coach or a person that speaks ADHD is really nice because you don't have to filter. You can just talk fast. You can explain your experience in a way that makes sense to you and be understood. That's one of the things that my clients love most about coaching is having that space. But when you are attempting to translate and the translation doesn't quite fly, oftentimes in that process of back and forth and coming up with a different metaphor or a different way to articulate or explain, I find that I'm actually learning some new stuff about my experience in that process because I am being challenged to look at it curiously through different eyes, through a different lens, to take the same concept and explain it in a different way or apply a different metaphor to it. So there's rich learning to be had in that back and forth process. So don't be afraid of not nailing it on the first try. I don't nail it on the first try a lot of times when I'm standing in front of a room of hundreds of people asking me questions about ADHD, and that's okay. And when we do that, when we take it outside our own heads, then we're breaking down that inner critic, wicked inner critic cycle, right? That internal dialogue of, you know, there you are, not delivering. And then you've got the inner critic sitting there like, yep, there you are, not delivering. And it's this wicked back and forth that just takes us down into a depressive state. So getting out there and saying, this is the situation. Here's the situation. Here's the dilemma as I see it. And you start that, you can start to develop a dialogue. But let's, let me give you a couple ideas of how to set this up so it doesn't fall into this kind of slinging or the, again, where we're people get into their, especially spouses, get into their kind of their corners or their dynamic. And so one thing is, again, don't try to have a whole picture, a whole completeness thing. It's find a dilemma, a specific thing that's aggravating. And the the rules of engagement here is, again, kind of like a pocket coach. It's you want it to be about listening, not solving. So often people are trying to, they think that the way they need to support people is solve their dilemma. No, just let them articulate the dilemma and really understand to get to that reality check, to what is actually happening. And just that dialogue back and forth, then you create this safe place of sharing. And it's just like, it's so nice to kind of have, you know, the whole notion of like, I want to get this off. Oh, that felt so good getting that off my chest because it's in there just eating us up. So it's that if you're a partner, you have someone who has ADHD, it's that listening and not solving, okay? 
You know, I, as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about Top Gun. I'm going to go back to Top Gun. Right, Top Gun, there's Maverick. And who does he have in the backseat? It's Goose. Everybody needs a Goose. This is, and Goose before he dies. Okay, Goose dies. I'm sorry, he dies. But before Goose Spoiler dies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, well, come on, Top Gun. I'm talking like from 85 or something, all right? Way back. Goose dies. But that's the whole unfolding of the whole thing of Maverick, the redemption and moving forward, right? It's the whole Tom Cruise model. Anyway, having this kind of Goose character to kind of watch your back, to kind of be there and notice and help out. And that's that guy. He's got kind of there. It's like, hey, buddy, you sure you want to do that? So with a goose is to start with these basic three questions of, so what is it? The question of like the dilemma. Okay, Maverick, you're not communicating. You're not communicating. And here you have to communicate. For the guy that I was working with, he was not communicating because he was so buried in work, he couldn't prioritize communicating. He had to do it. And, and again, I got to do something before I can communicate was another issue, right? He could not communicate. He could It's like, I got to show up with something. There's a mistake. So he's not communicating. Then question number two is, what does it look like? He's not communicating, but what does it look like? Well, it looks like you don't care, Maverick. And you're losing respect. That's what it looks like. Those are the optics. So that's number two. Number three is what's really going on? What's your experience, Maverick? In the sense of, okay, I, I'm completely inundated with work. I cannot find a moment to communicate. I feel like I have to do something in order to communicate. And since I haven't done anything, I can't communicate. But I'm completely overwhelmed. I can't prioritize my work. And I'm just playing this stupid shell game. And when we name that, when he was able to name that, oh my God, I'm spending all my time playing a shell game. There's inroads there. There's opportunities for looking at how can we resolve this situation. So a couple of things as we come to the top of the hour to consider around advocating is don't feel like you have to come with something. In coaching, Actually, one of our big rules uh, or agreements is show up regardless. Show up regardless and share. That in our coaching sessions, we practice this translating, this reflecting on our experience. I really love what you said earlier, and I do want to do a little quick segue to what you alluded to earlier, Shell. And that was the, you know, you don't have to wait to the last minute to go resource somebody. And many of our clients are not like Bob or our character Maverick here in the sense of unaware or back against a wall. And many people are like, again, you're using this podcast to start to really get a sense of what's going on to understand, own, and translate. We're seeing that in our Discord where people are articulating their experience sharing common experiences. And just that sharing just takes the whole stress down and normalizes the experience. So we would invite you, listener, to like, okay, is there something where you're hesitating in sharing? And is there someone 
you can partner with who's going to be a good partner. They're not going to try to jump in and solve it. They're not going to give you a hard time, but they're going to listen and they're going to partner with you around and just getting to what is really going on. And then what can we do to move forward? Well said, Cam. I was listening with great attention. I don't know if you noticed how much I stopped fidgeting and started really actively listening when you started on the three questions. I think that that is brilliant. I love the Top Gun metaphor because I know that for me, Jen, my business partner, who I've talked about a lot on this show, she is that person for me. She is that person who can let me know what the optics of something are not to hurt my feelings or to cut me down, but to keep me from harming myself or my career by a behavior that I'm not realizing is coming off a certain way. So that's really just such an incredible tool. I think that's one of the most brilliant things that has come out of the show so far. Wow. 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 Yeah. So on that (laughs) note, what a great place to end. Wow. Cam, you truly wowed me today. Okay. Can I do a different Cam exit tonight? Sure. Today? Is that okay? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Take us out, Cam. No, 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 no. You go. I'm just going to do my, and this is Cam, but I want to do it differently today. Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, now I feel pressure to do it differently too, but I'm I'm going to stick with what works. Okay. So (laughs) thanks for listening. And until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. (laughs) (laughs) This was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.